We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. Hey, you listen to the December 18th Rotoviz College Football Show, a Rotoviz radio podcast. I'm Kyle Pollock on Twitter at KylePollockFF. And joining me is my co-host, Jordan Hoover, coming off a heartbreaking loss for his Steelers. Jordan, how are you doing tonight? Well, Kyle, I uh, I've been better. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, I'm sure. I'm sure. Just about everyone listening was probably watching the end of that game as uh, billed as the game of the game of the season, and it definitely lived up to its billing. Uh, came down to a crazy finish, uh, a no call for Jesse James on a touchdown reception. Looked like it was going to kind of seal the deal for the Steelers. Uh, then a wild. Juju Smith-Schuster, 80-yard reception, drive down, Ben fake spikes, pretends he's going to throw a slant, gets tipped, intercepted, and yeah, uh, 60,000 in Heinz Field go home sad. But uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, the the good thing is, uh, looking on the positive side, is everyone that has to go into an office tomorrow for work, you'll probably be able to burn at least about an hour talking about it with your coworkers, so that's something to look forward to. Um yeah, but that's a tough one. But there's still a couple weeks left in NFL. Things will still shake out before we hit the playoffs. Um, and also this time of year, we're 
into the first week of bowl season. So we have some bowls to go over that have happened over the past couple of days. And then we're going to preview, I think, about eight bowls that will take place between now and next weekend. So um, going to go, you know, kind of deep into these games, touch on some of the prospects like we normally do. And yeah, so pretty excited to get going. Yeah, I'm excited for this. It'll give us an opportunity to kind of talk about um, a lot of guys that we don't usually talk about. You know, we're not going to talk about Baker Mayfield at all or Lamar Jackson <laughs> or anything uh, like in this episode. Unfortunately, we'll get to it eventually. Uh, we always do. But um, first game we're going to talk about is two teams I don't think we've really touched on a lot this year. Um, Boise State and Oregon. I think we might have touched on Boise State once um, for that Fresno State game. But uh, Boise State knocked off Oregon 38-28. to uh, I think Oregon was about a 7.5-point favorite, so pretty big upset. Um, Boise jumped out early. It was 24 nothing, and then Oregon had two uh, two touchdowns in 30 seconds on uh, defense and special teams right before the half. Um, Cedric Wilson uh, was really the story of the day. I'll kind of let you touch on him. I know you wrote him up um, for a preview before the game, but he had 10 catches, 221 yards, and a touchdown um, on two bum ankles. So that was pretty impressive. Um, I was really looking forward to the return of Justin Herbert for Oregon. Um, Their quarterback, he had been absolutely tremendous when he had played this season. uh, And Oregon had been too. I think they're about 5-1, 6-1 when he played. um, And had averaged like over 50 points a game, over 550 yards of offense a game. Um, But he really just did not look, uh, look like himself in this game. Um, he was 26 for 36, 233 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, also their leading rusher with 17 yards. So that, that would explain, um, the struggles a little bit there for Oregon. Um, but he, he missed some pretty, pretty big throws, uh, easy throws, excuse me. And, um, I, I was just disappointed overall. I think he has a chance to be one of the best quarterbacks, um, in the 2019 class. If he does come out, um, kind of similar to a guy like Sam Darnold, I think. Maybe, uh, you know, some, I, I've seen, uh, I believe it's Matt Miller say that he would be his number one quarterback for next year, um, which, which I would probably agree with um, when he played this year. He was phenomenal, um, except for this game, really. Um, other than that, not like any huge takeaways for me for this game, except that Boise's defense is um, really good and they're a pretty young team. So uh, I think it bodes well for them. Uh, I don't remember the name of their defensive end exactly. Um, but he, he had a sack. I believe he had a sack in this game. Uh, he was a, a redshirt freshman who led the Mountain West in sacks and didn't even start on their team. So just kind of um, something that bodes well for Boise State for the future. Um, that defense looks pretty solid. So um, that, that, those were kind of kind of my thoughts. Uh, if you want to touch on Wilson a little bit, because I know you like him um, from that article you had written. Yeah. Um, so Cedric Wilson, he he made me look good. I guess uh, <laughs> I dropped a we dropped the article about him. Uh, early on Saturday morning and then he went out and and went pretty wild like you said clearly on he he wasn't 100 percent he got hit ankle injury like you said on both of his ankles at one point he's you know definitely not at 100 percent doing anything um but yeah like you said I I wrote an article about him and it was pretty interesting because he you know some things I didn't know about him necessarily he played quarterback in high school um he had no FBS scholarship offers he played two seasons at Coffeyville Community College in Kansas uh where he did where he was really productive at that level. Um, and he's, he's done really well for himself in two seasons at Boise. Um, he's, he's tall. He's I think six, three or six, four. He's a little, he's, he's under 200 pounds. So I think he has some, some room to fill out as far as his frame is concerned. Um, 
but you know the, he kind of has like a lot of the intangibles i think that the film the like the film crowd kind of likes uh there is one particular instance in this game where he was kind of just running a go route and um brett rippon threw him the ball and he made a nice adjustment to come back towards the ball to cut in front of the defender um you know and you can't really take too much away from just one play but he's pretty consistently done things like that this season um and i think he's kind of a guy who is going a little bit under the radar as far as uh, the draft is concerned We'll see, you know, assuming that he gets a combine invite, which I hope that he does, uh, assuming, you know, he does well there, we could see draft stock rise. But he's just a guy that was, you know, pretty high on, and it was good to see him uh, do really well in this game. And and just real quickly, as far as concerned, um, obviously Royce Freeman didn't play, um, which definitely hurt Oregon's offense. Like you said, he Justin Herbert was their leading rusher, 17 yards. Things might have been really different if Freeman would have played. Um so that's something to keep in mind. And obviously the coaching situation at Oregon probably played a little bit of a factor as well. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with you. I think Boise State is is probably trending in the right direction. Um, and Oregon now with the new coaching uh, new coaching regime kind of maybe rebooting. And they have, a, they have an excellent piece to build around in Herbert for the future. Um, another guy you like, uh, we're going to talk about his bowl game next. Uh, I also wrote him up. He's on Colorado State. Colorado State did fall to Marshall, though, 31-28 in their game. Um, I'll touch on the Marshall side quick. Uh, I know we were talking about their quarterback, Chase Litton, um, right before we started up. And uh, I enjoyed I enjoyed your comparison of uh, Josh Allen with a better completion percentage. Um, <laughs> he's been consistent um, for them this year. Uh, 25 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, over 60% completion percentage for him. Um, not something that Josh Allen did, but he was 17 for 32 in this game, 262 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, a big guy, um, 6'6", 232 pounds. So he has that NFL frame that a lot of people like. Um, and he, he's put, started for three years, had over 2,600 yards all, all three years. Um, over 60% completion percentage all three years and over 23 touchdowns all three years. So not a ton of progression for him in, uh, in general in his career, but I think he's kind of flash enough to get a look as maybe uh, as like a UDFA late round type quarterback for a team that is looking for, you know, develop a, a guy with a pretty good size at the quarterback position. And then um, also their tight end, Ryan Gerichek, has been extre- uh, he's a senior has been really productive over his uh, four years there has 26 touchdowns um, uh, not like doesn't gain a ton of yards uh, only average over 10 yards per catch once in his career and only top 400 yards twice um, but he's somebody who you know I think he he probably get uh, you know I don't think he'll get drafted necessarily but you'll see him in training camp um, if he gets a, you know, if he suddenly performs really well, tests really well, I don't know what type of athlete he is. Um, I know he's pretty good for college fantasy because of that touchdown production, but um, you know, he has a shot, an outside shot. I would say I wouldn't call it a good shot to make a roster, but somebody that could sneak onto the back end of a roster as a uh, third tight end or so. Um, and if you want to touch on the Colorado State side with uh, Michael Gallup. Go right ahead. Yeah, and real quickly before um, touching on on Litton, that that comparison was admittedly a little bit tongue in cheek. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, it's you know they 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 have a similar frame and um, 
they're both kind of, you know, unrefined prospects that need molding. Um, so I think on a, generally speaking, they're sort of similar, but you know, I, yeah. it's Twitter. You have to, you go big or go home. If you, if you have <laughs> warm takes, you might as well not even, not even put them out there. But yeah, so simply over to Gallup, um, he's a guy that, you know, similar to Cedric Wilson, um, also played two seasons on the community college level before transferring to FBS. And much like Wilson has done really well in those two seasons. Um, He's a little bit smaller. He's around six foot one. Uh, he is two hundred pounds, so he's kind of a a more thickly built wide receiver. Um, but he's commanded thirty eight percent of Colorado State's receiving production in the last two seasons combined. Uh, he's shown um, incredible single game ceilings as well, big game potential. Um, he's you know I think between Gallup and Wilson, I think Gallup is definitely getting a buzz among the mainstream, um, the the lamestream media. Um, so I think that Gallup is a guy who we can pretty confidently feel that he will get drafted. I would say – now tell me if you think I'm way off base here, but I think he belongs in the at, – at least at the latest in the third round. Um, I don't know exactly like where he's going to go, how teams will, will value him necessarily, and it will depend on how he does at the combine as well. That's – you know, hate to keep saying that, but it's important. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy that I'm pretty high on, and he, he – um, against Marshall, uh, he only had six catches for 68 yards, but there were a couple instances where uh, Colorado State's quarterback, Nick Stevens, just missed him, or he was just a fraction of a centimeter away from catching a touchdown. You know, he, a couple breaks went against him in this game. Otherwise, his stat line would have been a lot bigger. Um, but yeah, he's he's just another guy that I really like at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I always see uh, on Twitter people be like, oh, right. if Michael Gallup had a better quarterback, he would, you know everyone would love him he'd be so much of a better prospect because he you know he's already one of the most productive receivers in the country um and there's yards left on the fields uh which is pretty amazing to think um i'm just looking quick uh article on the coloradian had him listed with four four speed nfl draft scout projects four five two so um pretty fast um pretty fast guy which which is uh good to see out there for him um next game up was the uh, first first uh, 12 o'clock game, uh, I guess the first real uh, bowl game for our purposes. There was a celebration bowl before this. Um, Troy defeated North Texas 50-30. to 30. Um, Troy jumped out ahead early in this one. They had uh, uh, they scored a touchdown on the first drive and then uh, recovered a fumble by North Texas and went for two, got up 15-0 early, and just kind of held on the rest of the way. Um, Troy was pretty impressive this year. Um they ended up eleven and two. Uh, I believe they won the Sun Belt. Uh, probably, probably check into that. Um, don't quote me on that though. They did beat LSU. That was kind of their signature win. Um, they kept mentioning it yesterday on the broadcast, saying, "Oh, the last time Detroit was in Louisiana, they knocked off LSU." Um, so heard that one a lot. Um, their their best player probably um, did not play in this game. Jordan Chun, who's their running back, um, he is a bigger guy, uh, six six foot. One six foot, uh, two hundred thirty-five pounds, and he is a senior. Um, rushed for twelve hundred yards last year. This year he missed a couple games. Only rushed for seven hundred seventy-four. Did have ten touchdowns. He's also a productive receiver. Had uh, twenty-eight receptions this year. Thirty receptions the year before. A guy that I think, um, similar to a guy like Litton, could uh, become like a pretty popular undrafted free agent for a team to sign. Um, probably won't get drafted because this is a deep running back class, but. Well, that's fine. I think he's a guy that, you know, like I've said before with a lot of these small school guys, 
he has a shot, which is really all you can ask for coming from a, a small school like Troy when you're not super productive like a guy like Gallup or Wilson. Um, same thing with Brandon Silvers, their quarterback. Um, he made a couple pretty impressive throws yesterday, um, which I had only watched him maybe once before, um, you know, catching the end of that LSU game, and he didn't really throw a ton um, after they got up, and he was only 16 for 28 that night. Um, but against lesser competition, he, he's been pretty good. Um all three years, over 60% completion percentage. Um, not a lot of turnovers either. So good frame, 6'3", 219 pounds. Um, that's really all for Troy I have. I know uh, North Texas's quarterback, uh, Mason Fine, I believe he was the Conference USA Player of the Year, but he's only like 5, he's listed at 5'10". Um, so probably not much of a future there for him. Um, and I believe their running back was out as well, but he's been pretty productive this year. Um I don't know if you have any other thoughts on any of these guys, but I don't think there's a whole lot of uh, NFL type talent on either of these teams. Yeah, I think you, I think you pretty much hit on it. Um, Sean Siegel, uh, you know, wrote of his OG, uh, put out a draft prospect article on Jordan Chun on Saturday, and it was kind of a bummer that he didn't, we didn't get to see him play. But he, you know, he, Sean just briefly touched on how productive Chun has been. He's he's one of only thirty. Uh, running back since 2000 with at least 3,000 rushing yards, 40 touchdowns, and 70 receptions. So kind of hitting on what you said about him being a capable pass catcher and having size, I think, you know, is a really good combination for someone who probably probably won't get drafted but could be a guy that could stick around in camps for, uh, you know, whatever team might might want his services. And depending on how he tests out, could eventually find a place, you know, uh, could stick on a roster. So he was kind of the guy that I had my eye on in this game. Um, other than that, that's pretty much all I got. Uh, one other note for North Texas. Uh, he didn't do much in this game. Uh, just looking quick. Jalen Guyton, uh, I'd heard the name before. He got kicked off Notre Dame as a freshman. Um, so he's a pretty talented guy. Um, was the number three Juco receiver last year and came in this year for them. Uh, and was, was pretty productive. Had 775 yards and nine touchdowns. Um, kind of faded down the stretch, had uh, one catch uh, in, in a game in three out of his last four games, and he only had two in the other one. Um, so it wasn't super productive from a yardage standpoint, but for him to kind of come in, not really, you know, kind of his first Division One football experience, because um, I don't think he played at all at Notre Dame as a freshman, um, and be that productive, pretty impressive. He's 6'1", 194, so... Uh, he's someone who could progress down the line potentially uh, if North Texas kind of keeps up this high-flying offense they have. Um, I think he could potentially be an NFL prospect, but, um, you know, kind of kind of uh, early to tell on him. But a name to keep at the back of your mind for, for Debbie purposes. Another game that was pretty exciting was Middle Tennessee uh, at Arkansas State. Um, I know I was excited for this one. thought there was going to be more points in this game. Um there was 65, so it's not like uh, there weren't a lot of points, but I thought this game could have uh, hit, hit a lot more. And there's a good amount of NFL talent in this game. Um, what, uh, someone who will probably be a road of his favorite. Um, I'm not sure if – I didn't catch a lot of this game. I'm not sure if he didn't play or if he was just held without a catch. Uh, in all likelihood, he just didn't play. Um, Richie James, uh, wide receiver for Middle Tennessee, uh, announced today he was declaring for the NFL draft. Um, so – Kind of surprising for someone from Middle Tennessee State to declare um, as a junior, but when you look at James's um, resume, it's not really much of a surprise. Um, I was wondering why I hadn't heard this name, heard his name much this year. 
Um, looks like he's been hurt for most of the year, so that would explain it. Um, sorry for not knowing that before. Probably should have looked into that. But yeah, he broke. Yeah, he broke his collarbone back in I think October, maybe. Must um, must must not have been paying him. Middle Tennessee State in October. That's not, that's <laughs> on me. My bad. Um, but. James, uh, he's been a very productive rusher and receiver over the course of his career, um, which I know is something um, that's been touched on by guys like Russell Clay as um, kind of important for smaller guys, which is what James is. He's 5'9", 176. Um, But last year he had 1,600 receiving yards and 12 touchdowns, and he also had 339 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns. Um, A lot of that production came in one game when uh, I know – uh, their starter was out. I'm not sure if their backup also got hurt, but James kind of took over as a single wing um, type quarterback and got 22 carries, I believe. Yes, 22 carries, 207 yards, and three touchdowns in one game, um, which you don't see a ton of. But he does usually get some rushing work because he's that talented of a player. Um, so he's he, he's had a high market share. Should be pretty young coming out as a junior, a guy that I think will like over at Rotoviz. Um, one of the guys I want to touch on on the Arkansas State side of the ball is quarterback Justice Hansen. Um, Hansen was a highly touted recruit coming out of uh, high school, excuse me, um, who's a four-star recruit, um, number six, number four dual-threat quarterback in the country, excuse me, uh, 155th-ranked player overall. You may be asking how he ended up at Arkansas State. He transferred from Oklahoma. Um, that's where he's originally from. He's been putting up uh, pretty crazy numbers this year. He had close to 4,000 passing yards, 37 touchdowns, only 16 interceptions, and he can also uh, do it on the ground. Like I said, he was ranked as a dual-threat quarterback. Uh, he had 423 rushing yards and seven touchdowns this year. A guy who I think could be one of those small-school sleeper quarterbacks um, next year coming out for his senior year. If he continues to put up these numbers like he has this year, he's a guy that I, I like um, as a kind of mid-round developmental quarterback prospect. Uh, for next year's draft. Yeah, I think you hit on pretty much all the guys I was looking at. Richie James, uh, super productive in his first season. Um, it is a little bit misleading, though. I actually, I actually was looking at his stats a couple days ago, and I'm pretty sure that his he was 20 years old, 20 years old um, at the time. Um, so, I mean, he's a little bit older of a prospect. Like, when you look, when you just look at his stat line, it, it's eye-popping, obviously, because of the production. Also, you need to take into account that he was a bit older doing that. Not to say that he can't succeed um, at all, but that's just something to keep in mind that I that I didn't know until I dug a little bit deeper a couple days ago. Um, and I liked what you said about Justice Hansen. He's a guy that I honestly hadn't been following that closely this year, but um, just hearing you go through it and kind of looking at his stat line, it's, it is really impressive. And he's I agree with you. He's a guy we definitely should keep our eye on. Um and Brett Stockstill, um, Middle Tennessee's quarterback, um, you know, he's he's kind of like he, he's another guy that I think he doesn't have the prototypical ability. He's only like six foot, 220. Um, but over the course of his career, he's completed almost 60% of his throws, um, 88.2 adjusted yards per attempt. So, I mean, he's been relatively accurate, uh, was banged up this year, so didn't get a full season in. Um, and I believe he's a redshirt junior, so he might actually be coming back next year. But he's just another guy that uh, when Stockstill and James were both injured, I know that Middle Tennessee State really struggled to score. So, um, you know, obviously James didn't come back. But, um, yeah, so that's just another guy that I want to touch on briefly. Yeah, I hadn't really been keyed in on Hanson until uh, last week of my college football uh, fantasy league 
championship, Hanson had about 70 points or something like that, and I lost in the championship. <laughs> he had uh, 520 yards and six touchdowns, six total touchdowns. So now you're hate following. Him. Yes. You're, you're... <laughs> um, but I lost to Will Stevenson in that league, and I just wanted to, uh, before the season, he had been uh, talking about a guy named Blake Mack. He's a tight end for Arkansas State um, who looks pretty athletic on the field. Um, last year he had – 34 catches for 652 yards and three touchdowns uh, with over 19 yards per reception, which you don't see a ton for a tight end. Um, this year, more catches, a uh, little bit less yards, seven touchdowns, so 400, 400, uh, 48 receptions, 618 yards, seven touchdowns. Um, besides this game, uh, I haven't really caught much of him at all this year. He's a guy who I'm, I want to look into a little bit for like a late-round tight end sleeper, especially if he tests as well as he looked on the field. Um, I think a guy who could potentially rise um, just kind of late in the process, maybe. Um, that's really it for that game, and there is one more game. Um, I don't really know how much we'll get into it. Um, Georgia State defeated Western Kentucky 27-17 to in the Auto Nation Cure Bowl. Um, I think Steve Spurrier was there. Uh, <laughs> other than that, I don't have a lot to take away from this game. I only watched it for about uh, five minutes. Uh, um, I just wanted to make sure Penn State was able to say they beat a bowl team this year. They did. They beat Georgia State. So um, other than that, I don't have much takeaway from this game. Uh, I know Mike White's been productive for Western Kentucky, but I don't really view him as much of an NFL prospect. Um, I don't know about you. Do you do you have anything on this game? Just re- uh, Yeah, just real quickly. There's one guy on Georgia State. Uh, he's another small wide receiver. So they – uh, I know you, what you were going to say. Right, you're picking what I'm putting down. Does it go along with nickel and dime? It does. It does. Uh, his name is Hart. And okay. for those of you who have not been burned by, um, what was his name, Robert Davis, uh, the guy that I really liked yes. actually last year, um, is having a hard time finding a home. Don't let that discourage you. Uh, open your heart. Ah. See what I did there, too? On a roll, man. But anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. So just real quickly. Um, as a, as a freshman, he had, uh, he had 72 receptions over 1100 yards and eight touchdowns, um, missed. He only played two games as a sophomore. I think he got a medical red shirt. So he's a red shirt sophomore. Uh, this season he had 74 catches around the same amount of yards, 1100 and another eight touchdowns. So he's been pretty, um, consistent as far as production is concerned when he's been field and he is smaller. So we'll have to overcome that. Um, and he actually doesn't really play a role in the kick game. Uh, which you know is kind of surprising to me because generally at these smaller schools, if you have someone who's small and is productive as a receiver, chances are they'll probably try and get you if possible. Not quite sure what that is about, but yeah, just real quickly, I wanted to touch on him. Um, as a redshirt sophomore, he very well might come back to school next year. I don't necessarily know if he's going to declare, uh, although he is eligible. So just want to touch on him real quick. Yeah, good call with him. I forgot about him. Um, I, I definitely think he's someone being that productive at a young age, um, something we always like to see. Um, so before we get into the eight-game uh, bowl preview for this week, just want to take a moment to talk about draft. Uh, if you guys love fantasy football, then you need to try our new favorite app, which is Draft. Uh, here's how it works. You do a draft that lasts for just one week and there's no management. All you have to do is set it and forget it. Once you're done drafting, uh, draft takes care of everything for you. It's like a best ball type league. Uh, so it sets all the lineups, no trades, no waiver wire, even take care of last minute injuries. Drafts are starting every couple minutes. So you can join one right now. And the best part is you can play for cold, hard cash with drafts starting from just $1. There's a draft for everybody. Um, you can come and join us on draft today. You got to download the app. 
uh, just search draft in your app store or go on your laptop and search playdraft.com. And for a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. You just have to use the promo code RVRADIO. So you get to play a real money game for free just for using that promo code RVRADIO on your first deposit. So search draft in the app store, go to playdraft.com, and come play for free with the promo code RVRADIO. Um, so the first game we're going to talk about here is the Boca Raton Bowl, which is on Tuesday uh, at 7 p.m. I thought this bowl didn't have a sponsor anymore. Uh, I think it's the Bahamas Bowl. I know Barstool tried to claim it last year. I think they named it the the here it is the Boca Raton Wet the Beak Ponzi Scheme Awareness Bowl. Um, <laughs> I like that name better than the uh, Cherry Bundy Tart Cherry Boca Raton Bowl. I know we talked about uh, some wacky bowl names. Cherry Bundy Tart is not a, not something that gets me excited it, for a bowl it, game. It's I think uh, it's supposed personal. to be good gout. So um, Tart Cherry is supposedly good okay, for gout. Yeah, so there's so. your there's your WebMD portion of the pod. There we go. Um, but back to actual football. Um, Akron's Akron's playing Florida Atlantic. Uh, Florida Atlantic fighting Lane Kippins are a 22-point favorite. Um, Akron has been uh, a great team this year. Uh, they did make the MAC championship. Uh, they, they got um, beat pretty handily by Toledo, 45-28. Florida Atlantic has been uh, rolling. Uh, they, they started off a little slow, one and three in their first three games. Uh, lost to Navy and Wisconsin, which are kind of respectable losses. And they slipped up to Buffalo, which was kind of a weird loss. People weren't totally sure um, what was going to happen with Kiffin, if he was going to work out. Um, they won their last nine games. Um, they're 10 and three now, Sunbelt champions. Um, I've been really impressed with the job Kiffin has done. And there is a lot of talent on this team, at least in terms of uh, transfers. Um, I know we, we kind of talked about that early in the summer, how Florida Atlantic was becoming a home for all these transfers, transfer you. Um, John Franklin, one of their highest profile transfers, uh, transferred from Auburn, didn't really play much this year at quarterback. Um, Jason Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll's brother, uh, for those of you that remember him, started this year. Um, not a ton of productive players in the receiving game, but um, they're running back Devin Singletary, uh, was the Conference USA Player of the Year. Uh, I believe, have you written him up? I believe you have. Yeah, I did a short blurb on him. Um, man, I can't even remember what week that was. But uh, I just actually did a real quick search on um, Sports Reference, and he has, uh, Singletary has almost 1,800 yards rushing and 30 total touchdowns this year. And since 2000, um, there have only been seven running backs to hit 1,700 rushing yards and 30 total touchdowns. And he's one of them. So it puts him in pretty elite uh, status. I mean, there's obviously some misses there, like dudes like Kevin Smith, Monte Ball, Capri Bibbs, who I'm pretty sure caught a touchdown today in the NFL. He did. Had a very long touchdown. Wow. Uh, <laughs> serendipity. Um, uh, but there's also guys like Melvin Gordon, uh, Jay Ajayi, who have been pretty, you know, um, successful at times. And then also Jordan Lynch, who is not a running back, but a quarterback at Northern Illinois. So yeah, but I mean, pretty pretty um, you know small group of guys that have been active, and he's only a sophomore, and he was productive as a freshman. So there are tons of reasons to like Singletary, and if for no other reason than him, uh, you should you know everyone out there should try and catch as much as they can of this game. Yeah, and I'll say um, I, I hate to admit that I probably watched about three Akron games this year. <laughs> um, 
they're not they're not a bad team. They're they're kind of fun to watch. Um, I, I watched someone who played Penn State. That was much fun for them. But uh, I watched a couple of their games uh, on the Tuesday night action slate. Um, they had they had a backup quarterback come in, Cato Nelson, who uh, at the very least was entertaining for a true freshman coming in, never having played before. He had eight touchdowns to just two interceptions. Uh, I believe their starter Thomas Woodson should be back for this game. Uh, they do have a receiver who average. Uh, Cordarius Smith, who averages over 21 yards per catch, has over 700 yards this year. Um, so he could be entertaining, but I'm going to take the 22 points for uh, Florida Atlantic. I think they're just a lot more talented, better coached. Um, I believe this game is in Florida as well, Boca Raton, Florida Atlantic, uh, home field advantage. I don't see many Akron people traveling, traveling to this game, so I'm going to take Florida Atlantic minus 22. Yeah, I I'm I agree with you. I'm also going to take FAU, but I think um, I think that this number is actually probably pretty close to what the margin might be. So I think um, say, for the same reasons that you basically said and outlined, I'm going to go the same way. But just as a heads up, I think that this probably is close to the correct number. Um, just a gut feeling on that, though. Yeah, I agree. I think they'll be able to keep it competitive, at least in terms of spread. Um, the next game up is. Uh, for us, we have the DXL Frisco Bowl. Um, Louisiana Tech is facing off against SMU, so there is talent in this game. Um, these are two teams. I know we've we've touched on SMU a little bit with Cortland Sutton. Um, he's not the only one on this team that's talented, though. We're, we're going to finally be able to uh, get into a little bit of the other guys. On the Louisiana Tech side, they're, they're a pretty high-scoring team, um, so that should at least be exciting. Uh, on on their end, um, but SMU is kind of where the real talent lies. Um, I'm going to take a moment to talk about Trey Quinn first uh, before we kind of dive into Cortland Sutton. Um, Quinn transferred from LSU. Uh, I believe he was a five-star recruit, or at the very least a very high four-star, and he's kind of taken over as their possession receiver this year. Had 106 catches, 11, uh, close to 1,200 yards, and 12 touchdowns in his first season with them. Um I, I picked him up midway through our college fantasy season. I was very happy to pick him up. Um, he, he was a monster for them. Um, obviously has the talent, like I said, high recruit. Um, and w- with uh, Sutton leaving next year, he could see a huge market share. Um, he already has a decent one. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but probably somewhere close to a, a point three market share, um, w- which I like to see. Um, so, I'm guessing he'll come back. He's a redshirt junior, so if he does, if he does declare, um, would really only have one productive season under his belt with not a lot of film. Uh, but if he were to go out next year, he'd be on the older side. Um, that being said, I think he could uh, be a pretty good uh, possession receiver in the NFL, like he's functioned um, for them. The running back Xavier Jones is a guy who has caught my eye as well. Um, he kind of first popped up. Uh, two years ago for me. Um, I remember watching him against Baylor. Um, they kind of had a shootout in the first game of the season where I think they traded touchdowns on the first four drives. Um, and that's kind of where uh, Cortland Sutton had his breakout as a uh, redshirt sophomore, I believe. Um, but Jones finally hit over a thousand yards this year as a junior um, and had nine touchdowns as well. As a true freshman, he had 10 touchdowns. I believe he got hurt his sophomore year. He's 5'10", 203 pounds. Um, and I think he has decent speed. Um, not, don't know his exact uh, 40 time or anything like that. But a guy who I think next year with sudden leaving, um, 
if SMU kind of goes to uh, runs the ball a little bit more than they usually do, I think he, he could put up big numbers for them. So those are just kind of two guys. Um, I'll, I'll let you handle Sutton. I know you really like him, as do I. Um, but those are just kind of two guys on the SMU side that we haven't touched on much. I think we might have briefly touched on Quinn, but um, just kind of wanted to talk talk them up a little bit too. Yeah, and and quickly on Quinn as well, I'm actually in the process of writing him up for the uh, the prospect series. So yeah, I, I agree with you on a lot of those points, and he's a really interesting dude. Um, when I was doing a little bit of research on him, I came across a quote from right after he left LSU where he basically said that the coaching staff didn't want him. Um, they didn't think that they could use someone like him as far as his build and his speed, although he ran a 4-3-9, I believe, in high school. Um, so kind of a weird situation there. I, I tried to break it down uh, when I was writing it, but it's it's difficult to you know exactly know what happened there. Um, but I agree with you. I think that he definitely fill a role at the next level. Um, and Cortland Sutton, you know, we've, I think we've talked about him a little bit throughout the season. He's... He's a guy that, again, I think that the film crowd will really like. Um, he, I think he uses his size pretty well. He's 6'4", 215, which is what we always look for. Um, he actually regressed a tiny bit in production in his junior year from his sophomore season. Um, his yards per catch stayed the same, but he was just a little bit less productive. Uh, his touchdown number actually did rise to 12 from 10. Um, and uh, he has 31 career touchdowns. He averages 16.7 yards per catch. Just ran a real quick search again on Sports Reference, and there have been 16 wide receivers uh, since 2000 to hit those numbers over a course of a career. Um, some good names on that list, some bad names as usual, but guys like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, Taewon Taylor, who was a road of his guy last year, Corey Coleman, again, the same, uh, James Washington, our boy. So um, there's some good names on that list too, and he's a guy I think that he just kind of looks the part, you know, and I think that he has – um, good enough production, I think, to be able to back that part up. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how he tests when he gets to the combine. I think uh, one thing that might play a factor in this game, well, probably will play a factor in this game, is uh, with Chad Morris leaving SMU for Arkansas, kind of seeing how that offense rebounds. Um, obviously, uh, he was, I would assume he was the offensive coordinator. Um, if not, I don't know why he wouldn't be. He was one of the best offensive minds in college football. Um, but with him leaving, I'm kind of interested to see what this offense will do. Um, this has the highest over-under of any game in bowl season with, at 70. Um, SMU is favored by five. Um, if they had Morris, I I feel like I would take them. Um, I, I probably will take them, minus five. Um, two similar teams kind of um, with good offenses, not a ton of defense. So like like this over under states, it'll probably be a shootout. I'm just going to take the team with more talent, even though they lost their head coach. I think they'll still be okay. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Louisiana Tech here. Um, I think that I, I agree with what you said. I think that SMU is the more talented team. They definitely have prob. They definitely have the more talented skill players. Um, and I can't say you know I can't honestly sit here and say I know a ton about Louisiana Tech because I haven't followed them that closely. But I think that. In instances where teams lose their head coach, I think that that does have an effect. Kind of a similar thing that I think we saw with Oregon. Not that it's going to play out the same way, but sort of a similar thing. Um, So in that situation, I'll take the team that's getting points. So I'll take Louisiana Tech plus five here. All right. And this is we're on to our favorite bowl of bowl season here. The bad boy mowers Gasparilla Bowl. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Played in Tropicana Field in beautiful St. Petersburg, Florida, <laughs> featuring two teams with negative scoring margins. <laughs> the best of them all. Florida, Interna- Why did Florida we- International is s- 8-4 with a negative scoring margin. I don't know how that happens. This was a huge mistake on my part that we didn't save this for last because this absolutely should have been the closer. That is my fault. That is a that is a rookie mistake. My know. apologies. We're, we're, go- we're going in order they have. That's totally fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the name of the ball is probably the part I'm most excited about for this game. Um, there's not, not a ton of talent on either side of the ball. Um, Thomas Owens for um, Florida International is their leading receiver with 887 yards. The next closest receiver has 294. Um, and Owens is a guy who's been productive in the past, too. Um, I know as a freshman, he was pretty productive, or uh, sophomore, excuse me. He had 51 catches, 638 yards, eight touchdowns. Saw, uh, junior, 47 catches, 652 yards, seven touchdowns. So kind of hovering in that range for um all all four years he's been on campus he didn't play in three games this year so um those numbers don't even really re- reflect how dominant he's been um which is good to see i don't really think he has much of the nfl future but for a guy to put up um such high numbers and while only playing um 12 games he has a dominating rating of about 0.3 um you know I- i'm pretty impressed by that he's 6'1 198 like I said, um, probably one of those lower-end guys who will likely get a training camp invite. I don't think he'll necessarily crack a roster or anything, but um, he's really the only guy that stuck out to me from this game. Um, I, I know um, Apple had a couple of receivers uh, I liked early in the year, um, really just Adonis Jennings. Um, uh, Ventel Bryant was a guy I liked too, but he really didn't do anything this year. Um, Jennings was a guy from Pitt who transferred there, but he wasn't very productive at all during his career. Um, unless you have anyone else you want to touch on, um, uh, I'll go ahead. Temple's a seven-point favorite. Uh, Temple, I don't really know much about either of these two teams. Temple, <laughs> looking, they, they beat Navy, lost the Army in overtime. Um, I'll take Temple. I, I don't I don't trust, trust Florida International. Even though Temple has almost... Uh, negative three scoring margin um i will i will take them in this game um i I probably won't watch much if any of this game personally um but we'll 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 still we'll still get into it we'll still do it do our little deep dive yeah and uh if if that that whole thing wasn't depressing enough for everyone listening uh it looks like uh it it looks like thomas owens isn't even going to play in this game because he has a knee injury so if if you yeah if you weren't already pumped up enough to Let's tune go. into this one uh, that should seal the deal. Uh, I'm kind of with you on um, not really trusting either of these teams. So in that situation, I I'm I'm a sucker for the underdog. I, if anyone listening to this pod this season knows that probably by now. So I'm going to take FIU getting points, uh, getting a touchdown, and. Um, yeah, I don't feel great about it, but I'll just roll with the team getting points. Two two coaches that aren't aren't bad though. Um in, in Jeff Jeff Collins and Butch Davis. So um at, at least that's kind of intriguing from that standpoint. Um the next game up we have is the Bahamas Bowl, which does not have a sponsor this year. That was the bowl I was thinking of that does not have a sponsor. Um at least they get a very nice trip down there, though. I mean, if I was any team, that that would be the bowl I would want to go to. If I wasn't like you know going to a, a major bowl game or anything like that, um, 
two teams that aren't bad two eight and four teams in UAB in Ohio. Um, I think UAB is probably one of the most impressive stories, not just in college football, in all sports. They folded their college their their football team uh, two years ago. Didn't have a team last year, and, and managed to come out and go eight and four this year. Uh, I'm really impressed by that. They finished second in Conference USA. Um, they were pretty competitive in all their games. Um, for the most part, they had an overtime loss. They lost by 20 to Ball State. They lost 36 to 7 to Florida. Um, I know I thought that game might even be close just because uh, Florida was kind of down at that point. Um, but their running back, Spencer Brown, uh, had 12, close to 1,300 yards this year, uh, 10 touchdowns. So he was extremely productive as a true freshman. Six foot, 235 pounds. Um, so kind of a guy to keep on your Debbie radar there. Uh, their quarterback, A.J. Erdley, has also been good this year. Uh, 13 touchdowns on the ground, 16 through the air. Um, that's really all I have for them. I don't know a ton about them. Um, I have caught a little bit of Ohio this year because I'm a sucker from action. And A.J. Alouette is a guy who's been productive over the course of the past couple of years for them. He's a junior running back. Um, this year had 980 yards and seven touchdowns. Um guy I don't mind um he'll he should come back to school next year um but he was really productive as a freshman hasn't really progressed since then but I'd like to kind of see him improve on that during his senior year yeah again I I hate to be like the grim reaper with all this news but it looks like he might not even play in this game shoulder injury um (laughs) so that's kind of a bummer um yeah, but just really, you, you hit on Spencer Brown. He was a guy that I was a little bit late catching up, catching on to this year, but almost hitting 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns as a true freshman is impressive. And like you said, he's, he's a guy I, I briefly wrote, um, I think I wrote him up at the tail end of the Debbie Breaks series, but if not, um, I did put him, I think it was my rankings for the 2020 class, which as you know we talked about many times is completely stacked with a deep, at this young of age is definitely worth keeping an eye on and um, could play a big could play a big role in this game um it also looks like nathan rourke uh ohio's quarterback it says he's expected to play uh with an unspecified injury so i don't know what that is about but he's i correct me if i'm wrong but the quarterback um i mean this is a frank solich team so i mean the quarterback does a big chunk of the lifting as far as the run game and the pass game. So Yeah, he has 21 rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah, okay, exactly. Um, so, I don't know. I, I'm assuming he's probably good enough to play, but that's something else to keep an eye on if you are looking to bet this game. Um, I I think... Uh, I think I'm going to go UAB. Um, this is a tough one, though, because I think that... I think Ohio is probably the better team. But because of those injuries, and I, I do really like Spencer Brown, I'm, I'm going to roll with UAB getting the points, um, but I don't feel super great about it. You stole the pick out of my mouth. Exact, exact reasoning. Exact, uh, I'm, I'm going with uh, UAB too. That, that's, the, uh, that's why I, I like them. Basically exactly what you said. Um, next up, we're going to go. This has the lowest spread of any game we're going to talk about. Um, Central Michigan versus Wyoming in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, uh, a real staple of the bowl season is when they bring out that, that I believe they have a 12,000-pound potato um, that they bring out, which is always cool. Um, but 
we have we have a uh, one of your favorites that I'll let you touch on. Um, we have Josh Allen in this game and the Wyoming Cowboys and the Central Michigan Chippewas. Um, yeah, Allen's really the story in this game. Wyoming lost a ton of talent off their team last year with Brian Hill um, and Tanner Gentry both uh, going in the NFL. Um, on the Central Michigan side, they have a running back who's been uh, pretty solid this year in Jonathan Ward. I believe he was second team all Mac uh, as a true freshman. Uh, and I've seen him getting a little bit of hype on Twitter, or he's a he's a sophomore, excuse me, um, but had 988 yards and nine touchdowns. The real thing that sticks out about him is that he had 41 catches for 361 yards. Um, he's smaller, like lighter back, I'd say, uh, six foot 185. Doesn't have great speed, uh, but a pretty agile guy at that. Um, and he kind of came on strong late in the year. Uh, three out of his last four games had over 130 yards and a touchdown. Um, so you'd like to see that. Ward's a guy I'm going to keep an eye on as the offseason progresses. Um, here, If I hear uh, good things about him in the weight room, uh, seeing videos of him lifting or anything like that, and he looks good, testing well, he's a guy who I think um, could be one of the bigger sleeper running backs um, in the, uh, I guess, 20, 2019 class. I, w- I wouldn't expect him to declare next year, so likely 2020. Um, that would be a loaded class like we've talked about, but uh, assuming all those guys wouldn't come out. Um, so I think Ward is probably the best running back returning to the back next year, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what he'll do. Um, I'll let you uh, handle handle your friend Josh Allen. Um, I know we, we've touched on him before, but we haven't really gone in-depth on him. We've kind of just uh, ripped on him aimlessly in comparison to our friends Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. Yeah, and um, again, shameless plug, I'm also writing him up for the Red of his series, so I'm going to keep most of the choice nuggets for that. But um, first of all, I should say that Josh Allen is not even entirely clear, at least the last I checked, if he's even if, if he's even going to play. Um, he's been dealing with a shoulder AC joint, I believe, um, in his throwing in his throwing shoulder. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, but if he doesn't play, uh, as far as betting this game, if he doesn't play, I would go heavy on Central Michigan. Um, even though I even though I think that he's overrated. Um, he is better than the second option for Wyoming. So talking strictly about this game, uh, it's important that he's active. If he, you know, his status should probably influence uh, your betting decisions, in my opinion. Um, so, I mean, I've kind of made my feelings known. He's He looks the part. Um, NFL evaluators, you know, the, the guys that sit in air-conditioned rooms and watch film, they're probably going to love him because he's big, tall, has a strong arm, is athletic, which is something that you can't really take away from him. He is he is athletic for his size, and that's kind of just the prototype that everyone looks for. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast all year, you know that both myself, you know, we love guys like Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, guys that don't fall inside of that box, um, and Allen falls squarely into that box. So for that reason, I think that he probably would get drafted fairly high uh, with the knowledge that some team thinks they can mold him into Carson Wentz, into Ben Roethlisberger, into somebody like that. And it could happen. It could not. I just think that his production, especially against Power 5 competition, has been not good. Just just flat out not good. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but he has consistently struggled in, I think, the three I think three games over his career against Power teams. He has been bad. Um, 
And I just yeah, I just looked that up. He does not have over fifty percent completion percentage yes, in any yes. of them. So, I, I I hate to feel like I'm picking on the kid because I don't know. It's not. It's nothing personal. And I wish that he wouldn't have gotten so much hype because I think that he is a developmental type quarterback who belongs on an NFL team. That's I don't think he doesn't. I just don't agree with guys from networks that shall remain nameless who have him in like the top three at the position. I just don't agree with that. Um, I don't think he's done enough to, to earn that type of hype. And I kind of wish that he would have, have come in a little bit under the radar because he's a guy I think that deserves a shot, but I think he will be overdrafted. Um, so at extremely long rant, um, just really quickly, I wanted to touch on central Michigan. Uh, Shane Moore's a quarterback who has also had a bit of an odyssey, a, a an Oswalian journey, if you might. Um, coming out of high school, he was super highly touted, went to Michigan, played well, played there for four years, but played very sparingly. He only attempted, I think, 40, or excuse me, uh, around 90 throws in his four seasons. He transferred, uh, I think, grad transfer to Central Michigan, and he's actually he's actually played pretty well. Um, also, their, their tight end, Tyler Conklin, is another guy who is um, kind of an interesting tight end prospect. He's 4240. Um, has a thousand yards uh, over his career, eleven touchdowns. So not extremely productive, but for a college tight end, I mean, it's not bad. He should he should get a chance to make some NFL team. I don't necessarily know if he'll be drafted, but he's just another guy uh, worth keeping an eye on from Central Michigan. Um, as far as betting this game, I think I kind of showed my cards there. I think that if Josh Allen doesn't play, I would go pretty heavily on Central Michigan. Um, you know, without knowing that for sure, I think I'll still take the Chippewas getting one. Um, you kind of feel the same way. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, just two things. I do want to, full disclosure, last offseason, you know, what from what I saw on film, um, at least the highlights of Josh Allen, I, I was on that um, bandwagon for a bit, um, especially towards the tail end of last season. Kind of going into his bowl against BYU, uh, I I didn't like what I saw from him in that game. I watched most of that game to kind of see see him. Uh, you know, a lot of my friends are big Jets fans, and I was like, "You guys are going to get Josh Allen in the first round this year." They're like, "All right, let's watch this BYU Wyoming game," and no one was impressed. Um, and kind of after you know watching him more, like we said, like we've talked about a lot this year, does not have any consistency, um, and the stats are certainly not there. Um, so. With that being said, oh, and the other thing I want to say, um, I'm sure we'll probably talk about it more in the offseason, but you mentioned Michigan. Um, Shea Patterson from Ole Miss transferred to Michigan, which is probably um, the biggest transfer we're going to have all offseason in college football, if not of the past couple offseasons. So we'll kind of dive into that more um, in the offseason. But that's that's pretty big news um, for, for major conference football. And I'm with UVA, with Central Michigan, um, even them getting one. I think that makes sense. Uh, completely so i take them with the points um and then the last slate of games we're going to cover is the saturday games uh, of next week and these are all actually pretty good games i'm pretty excited for these games um so to speak um so first game we're going to talk about is the birmingham bowl texas tech versus south florida this game has the second highest over under of any bowl at 67 and a half south florida is a two-point favorite um i'm going to hit you with it right off the bat quentin flowers or josh allen oh uh, <laughs> as far as like NFL prospect, you mean? Yes. I mean, I love seeing guys like Quentin Flowers succeed as it like, like, like I said, that box fit that mold. Um, but unfortunately, if I'm forced 
pick between the two, I'd probably have to go Josh Allen just because I think that he's going to get drafted, and and that's and probably pretty highly, and 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 we know that that's important because that'll give him a chance. Um, so that's kind of a cop out answer, but mm-hmm. I completely agree with you with that. I just want yeah. to see where we were. Didn't mean to hit you out of left field, but kind of thought that uh, that would be an interesting way to go into it. Uh, Quentin Flowers, I think we've touched on him probably a little bit this year um, with South Florida because they, they were in the top 25 for a good portion of the year. Um, he, he's been really productive the past couple of years. Um, last year, his season was as good. Um, I don't know if it, you could say better than Lamar Jackson's, but it was right there with Jackson's. Um, he had 28 100 passing yards, um, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions. Also ran for 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns, which you just don't see that kind of numbers from a quarterback. Um, I believe only Jackson and Jordan Lynch um, have ever put up those kind of numbers at the position. This year, um, regressed a little bit, only 2,600 yards, uh, 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, 972 yards rushing, 10 touchdowns. But the main thing with him was the completion percentage. Uh, dropped to 53% from 62%. That was really my concern with Flowers uh, watching him on film was uh, his arm strength and his accuracy. Um, he did miss two games this year, um, or excuse me, two games were canceled for South Florida this year. But um, so that's kind of why the numbers overall dipped. But um, as a pure quarterback, I can't see him I'm really making it in the NFL. I know it's kind of a, a cop out a lot for quarterbacks that are, are runners first. Um, him, I really just don't see it. Um, I think he could potentially fit as a running back, um, but those transitions are really hard. He's really enjoyed watching college. Anybody that watched that uh, game of South Florida versus UCF knows how good he is. Um, had 503 yards passing, 102 yards rushing. Um, so I really, you know, just enjoyed watching him during his career. The only other guy I'm going to touch on for South Florida is um, Darnell Solomon was uh, one time the number one ranked recruit or not recruit, excuse me, wide receiver in his class um, going into, I believe it was over the summer of his junior year, um, had a weird thing where he got uh, charged with robbery uh, when he was visiting Georgia, plummeted down the rankings. Uh, He was committed to Miami. He's from the area um, and ended up, uh, dropping to like a three-star going to uh, USF. Um, he didn't play at all really his freshman year. This year it kind of took a while for him to come on, but he had um, over 50 yards in, um, I'll say three out of his last five games. He had 49 yards in one game. But against UCF, he had uh, five catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. He's a good athlete, 6'3", 209 pounds. Um, with Charlie Strong there, uh I'm kind of excited to see how he develops this offseason, if he can develop into a really productive receiver with Flowers leaving. I think this team will kind of uh, turn to more run-heavy team. I think he could be a guy that puts up a big dominator rating next year. So I'm excited to see that. Um, I don't know if you have anybody else on South Florida you want to touch on or uh, if there's anyone you like from Texas Tech. Um, not a ton. Uh, I was just kind of scrolling through. and uh, Nick Shimanek. Texas Tech's quarterback actually had a really good year. Um, obviously, in this type of system, quarterback numbers get um, inflated, you could say. Um, but he did complete 68% of his throws, 30 touchdowns to just eight interceptions. So he's pretty efficient with the ball. Um, not a whole bunch that I see necessarily here. Um, you know, you have flowers. Uh, but as far as the game is concerned, I this is a tough one. Um, I think that just about everyone has this peg to be pretty high scoring. 
depending on obviously depending on the weather in Birmingham, which could go sideways uh, considering the time of year. But um, I think I'm actually going to take Texas Tech lay the points two and a half. Um, I think that they could probably outscore South Florida, but I definitely will be watching um, Quentin Flowers because, like you said, he is he's just so much fun to watch on the field. And even if even if his football playing or career or quarterback playing career, excuse me, does end uh, at South Florida, you know, he he's been really fun to watch. And, um, you know, he's college football is just fun to watch because of guys like him. So, you know, I'm always pulling for guys like that. Yeah, I'm going to take South Florida just for that reason. I think Flowers, um, big last game for him um, with what he's done for that program the past couple of years. I, I just feel like. He's not going to let this team lose um, more of more of something like that um, with a, with a two point spread. I think that'll allow them to cover that. Um, so I'm going to take Texas Tech in this game, but it should be my kind of game. I'm I'm excited uh, to watch these kind of games. Um, a game that'll probably be a little bit more low scoring. I don't I don't see a uh, a line on on ESPN listed for the over under. Um, is Army versus San Diego State. Um, two pretty run-heavy teams. If anybody tuned into Army-Navy, um, that game was a lot of fun. I believe there was one completed pass and just three passes total. Um, so I know I always say I, I enjoy high-scoring uh, pass-happy affairs, but every once in a while, um, watching one of those games is, is pretty cool. Um, I know we've talked about Army a little bit more just in terms of that. I don't think they completed a pass for two weeks or something like that. Um, I think we touched on that because I know you picked them over Duke one week, which was a nice upset pick. Um, the only real guy in terms of NFL um, hopefuls in this game, I would say, is uh, Rashad Penny, who we've, we've, we've talked about a good amount. Um, we kind of touched on him in our last episode with the Heisman, uh, how we were kind of debating between him, uh, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor for that fourth spot. Um you know, he hasn't been able to get a lot of work the past couple of years because of Danelle Pumphrey. Um, last year had just over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns. This year, obviously, extremely productive, over 2,000 yards rushing, 19 touchdowns. Um, and, he, I mean, I really like Penny. Um, I think he's a guy, like you kind of said with Gallup, I, I don't see him going later than maybe like the mid-fourth round. Does that, that sound about right? I mean, I think he'll probably test pretty well. Um, he's he's an excellent kick returner, um, and pretty good speed, uh, which you can kind of see from that. So, I think he's a guy that any NFL team will kind of be fortunate to have. Um, not going to go too deep into him. We're going uh, somebody will definitely be writing him up for uh, for our bowl series. Um, but and we've touched on him a lot this year. Uh, I I don't have anybody else on either of these teams. Any anybody else stand out to you? Uh, no, Penny's Penny's pretty much pretty much the guy I think in this game um it's I know we just talked about Army not throwing the ball but if I'm reading this correctly they have 19 completions combined on the entire season is that right mm-hmm. that is so much fun I love it yeah their leading receiver uh, has five catches wow I love it um yeah so six and I at time of recording I believe the spread is six and a half San Diego State is favored um San Diego State has a pretty good defense as well. Um, Army is obviously pretty good at running the ball because that's basically all their offense does. Um, I think I'm going to lay the points here and go with the Aztecs. Um, you know, Army has been good to me at times during this year as far as a, a, a covering and, and um, 
odds making perspective, but I think that Rashad Penny, like you said, he's just extremely talented. And I think that San Diego State's defense can probably do enough to um, cover the the touchdown six and a half point spread. So I'll go San Diego State here. I'm going to take Army here. Um, I think they're just going to slow the game down enough, um, kind of what they usually do, um, be able to grind the game out. They have, they have a decent defense. Um, they did give up 52 points to North Texas, which we kind of touched on North Texas before. They have a pretty high-powered offense. Um other than that, they, they haven't really given up a ton of points. Uh, they gave up 38 to Ohio State, which makes sense. That's the only game they've given up more than 30 points this year. Um, so in a low-scoring affair, like a lot of their games have been this year, I'm going to take Army in this game. Um, and just did this crunch some numbers real, real quick. Um, Army's second leading receiver has a dominator rating of .36 because he has one touchdown this year. Um, so that's kind of fun. Um that's like the old Demaryius Thomas, Calvin Johnson, when they had like 60% dominate ratings at Georgia Tech. Yes, those were good. Uh, what uh, What's his name? Uh, Stephen Hill. Oh, yeah, the goat, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> Big road <laughs> of his guy, Stephen Hill. Yeah. Um, the last game, another game that I'm, I'm pretty excited for is uh, App State versus Toledo in the Dollar General Bowl. Um, two teams that... Um, have been solid throughout the past couple of years. Toledo won the MAC this year, eleven and two. Um, bounced back nicely, even though they missed Kareem Hunt. Um, and App State, obviously, ever since that uh, victory against Michigan, two thousand six, two thousand five, I believe, um, that's just a program on the rise. And for a team like them to go eight and four, and just I believe it's their second year um, in in Division One, um, you, you'd really like to see that um, on on their side of the ball. Jalen Moore just accepted his invite to the Senior Bowl. He's their running back. Um, uh, uh, he had 912 yards and nine touchdowns this year. Um, also had 12 catches last year. Had 1400 yards rushing and 10 touchdowns. Um, a guy that's extremely explosive out of the backfield. I think he's going to be somebody if he does get a combine invite, which I am not totally sure that he will. Um, I think he might be the most athletic back in this class. Um, just test, uh, just, you know, you can see that athleticism shining through on the field. Um, so it's kind of a sleeper to watch there. Um, the only other guy I want to touch on is um, Deontay Johnson for uh, Toledo. He's a 5'11", 181-pound wide receiver um, who kind of took over the role as their lead receiver this year. Uh, I believe Cody Thompson, who last year, uh, I believe two years prior, uh, or bo- like both years, um, excuse me, um, was their top receiver. He got hurt earlier in the year um, and kind of, uh, you know, obviously was out and Johnson was able to take over for them. Um, he had close to 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns after uh, really not playing uh, at all his freshman year. Uh, he redshirted last year. I believe he was hurt. Um, I've been pretty impressed with him. He's kind of functioned as their deep threat. I thought John Vay Johnson, who was their second leading receiver, um, would kind of fill that role as he did last year. Um, Johnson kind of took a step back this year. Um, I remember Jester, Jester Wea from Pitt was getting a lot of hype coming into the year, and I preferred Johnson to him. They put up very similar numbers. Johnson was younger, and he was very uh, productive track athlete in high school. Um, so I was expecting big things from him, but it was actually the other Johnson, Deontay Johnson, this year for them. Um, so he's a guy who, uh, you know, he'll, he'll come back next year if he declares. I don't really consider him, uh, you know, a prospect at the moment. But a guy I think um, who 
has a good shot at making the NFL in the future um, if he declares either next year or uh, after his senior season. So those are two guys I kind of like on each side. Um, you know, if you want to hi- highlight anybody else. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like, I I think Toledo is actually super talented on offense. Um, like there's, I mean, Cody Thompson is yeah. a guy who was – he's 6,200-pound wide receiver. He broke his leg, I think, in the 15th season. But he was a guy that was, that was blowing up, and I really liked a lot uh, – coming off a junior season where he had over 1200 yards and 11 touchdowns, almost 20 yards per catch. So he's like a downfield big play guy. It's a, such a bummer that he broke his leg. Cause I think he was on his way uh, to really exploding this year. Uh, he's a senior. So I don't know if they're, I don't know necessarily what he's going to do. If he's going to try and get a medical red shirt back or if he'll, you know, rehab, try to get, I, I just don't know, but he was a guy that I, I liked. Um, and also their running back Toledo's running back, Terry Swanson, who had a pretty, productive season he had over 1300 yards 14 run touchdowns this year uh caught 17 passes obviously played by kareem hunt um basically for i guess pretty much the whole time he was at toledo um he had 700 rushing yards as a as a true freshman um 900 as a sophomore dipped back down to about 600 as a junior but he's been pretty productive he's five ten to don't know necessarily where mm-hmm. he fits into the draft picture but um he has a lot to learn his toledo offense yeah certainly and uh like you said, with him backing up uh, Hunt, they had a true freshman backing up uh, Terry Swanson this year who had 704 yards and 12 touchdowns. So seems like they just kind of keep churning out running backs there. Um, should be interesting to watch. Uh, Shaquif, excuse me, Shaquif Seymour, um, 5'11", 218-pound true freshman. So I'm excited for that with Swanson. I, Swanson's a senior, I believe. Um, so he could put up huge numbers uh, next year. Um, the line is at seven and a half for Toledo this game. I think Toledo's a really talented team. Uh, I think maybe like a borderline top 25 team this year. Um, I- I'm going to take them. Um, if they, they finish 12 and two, I think they, they have a good shot at cracking the top 25, which, uh, I'd like to see. I-, I love some action as I've touched on a lot in this podcast. So, um, no rockets. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I'm also going to, I'm, I'm going to go with Toledo as well. Uh, you know, we, t- we just touched on all those pieces on offense and um, I-, I like App State, uh, you know, they're, they're, like you said, they're a good story, but I think that Toledo probably just outscores them in this, in this instance. I'd like to give a shout out to my aunt and my two cousins that two of them went to Toledo. My aunt teaches there. They're all in likely, all likelihood not listening to this, but um, you know, <laughs> go Rockets. Been there. Nice. Toledo's a nice town. Go. So um, yeah. That, that'll uh, do it. We don't have any upset picks for this week since we just covered all the games. Um, we'll be back uh, to cover more bowl games um, later later on in the year. Um, probably won't have a show next week for Christmas. Um, so happy holidays to everybody. Uh, hope everything goes well. Happy bowl season. Um, so we'll be, we'll be back soon to uh, cover more bowl games. Yeah, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the College Football Show, a Road of His Radio podcast. I'm executive producer, Matthew Fulton. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at Road of His Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Road of His on discount through the Road of His Radio homepage, roadofhisradio.com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn.
Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.